Do you think I'd look good with short hair? I think anyone can look good with short hair if it's the right haircut. Really? You have a nice oval face. Do you think it would be good, Like down a little bit? Yeah. A little shaggy. Yeah. You don't want to be like, can I talk to your manager? You know? Yeah, that's that's what I'm or afraid John of. Or Johnny Kate, let's say. Like, I call that the reverse That's mullet. exactly it. The I don't want that. in the front and the business is in the back. Uh, Hello. Welcome to Big Feelings. Welcome. <laughs> what is this? Episode five? Are we yeah. on five? I know. Unbelievable. Just been ha- I'm, I've been sitting on them. I got like a, it's like a nest full of eggs. I'm just keeping them all warm. And they're just starting to kind of move around a little bit and start let's, tapping at my fluffy little butt. one of those little peepers. They're going to hatch soon. I'm, I, they're starting to, starting to move around in there, our little baby raptors in their, in their eggs. So we haven't recorded in like six weeks, partially because we've been traveling. We had at the end of summer. Mm-hmm. So we thought it'd be a good day to talk about traveling with kids and, oh, so much fun. <laughs> I never thought that I would hate um, vacations oh. and dread them. Oh there's just, there's just a component of planning things where you have to actually set aside like quiet time, set aside nap time. Like those things begin to sound so good mm. <laughs> when you're like, we're going to go to bed at nine. Do they have a TV in the room? <laughs> Type type situations. Well, you you had like a relaxing family vacation Mm because you went to one of my favorite places, Long Beach Wa. I know, which is where Josh and I got married. God, that's so cute. I I know, super cute. And I've heard that the go kart track is no longer a meth front. So, oh, they've cleaned that up. That's what I heard. Now it's at the. The bakery or something? I don't know or? where to get meth now. I mm. usually bring my own on family vacations. <laughs> uh, wise. It's wise. You know, because you just, you don't know. But yeah, no, it was the one that was right across from that carousel. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but we have so many good memories there. We've gone there for Clem's birthday a bunch, and she was actually yelling at us that we didn't, we haven't been there in a really long time. Because the last time we went, she like rented a horse. It was just, she had the most <gasps> nice. magical eighth birthday, but... Yeah. Well, this, there was a kite festival oh, this right. time around. And so there that was tons cool. of kites flying around and I enjoy that shit like nothing. And my husband's like, Oh my God, I just want to, I just want to go to the beach. I just want to take the a bike beach. ride. That's where the kites are. You know, and I said, can we be, Fuck so kite. they were having these competitions where, where people like serious Kite stud people. Kite. Stud, yes. And they have like routines to music and they like do all these mu- dance. And I thought, oh my God, I want to do that. Kite. I can't wait to be like 80 years old and oh, getting yeah. out there. I made Josh promise me that we were going to be a duo, you know? And we're matching um, parachute material, like jumpsuits. Absolutely. In, with like neon triangles all over them. Yes. Oh, yeah, it's that exciting. That is the dream. So exciting. Yeah, Jeremy and I talk about retiring out there all the time, except that probably by the time we're able to retire, it'll be underwater because it's <laughs> true. Warming. And I think, yeah, that's a pretty vulnerable spot. Yeah, it is. It but is. True. It, Long True. Beach is so nice and nobody knows about it. Everybody goes to Seaside, Oregon. And I know. Long Beach is there for you. It's got everything you need. There's a McDonald's. T F. You. What? They're for you. They're for you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, we've gone there for Thanksgiving. We can, yeah. So you had a, yeah. had a nice vacation. We did, but there was smoke when there was all those oh, smoke alerts. Oh, shoot. 
where the whole Washington state was burning to the ground and we were mm. getting smoke from wow. BC. And there was like people walking around with masks on and you weren't supposed to be outside. And here we are at the beach with our children, like, yay, vacation. We were the only ones there. Mm. So clearly we have given all of our kids lung cancer. Mm. And Did, you know what? And then there's it. the bike trail that's it. really good. But yeah, you can't. Yeah. You don't really want to go for a nice long bike ride when it's. We did that too. Smoky. We went for just for like fuck our bronchial. <laughs> exactly. Whatever. We're on vacation. Yellow. It doesn't matter. It doesn't Yellow. matter when you're on vacation. Do whatever the f you want. Yeah. Anyway, how was yours? How was your uh, exhausting? It was very active, very busy. You went good. to the Dolly Parton Museum. No, uh, well, no, 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 no. No, I went to Dollywood. Oh. Which that is my only issue with Dollywood is there wasn't a lot of Dolly. I had a $300 budget for that gift shop. I was going to get things for my gay friends and I was looking for like kitschy Dolly shit. And I did find, I should have brought it because it's so good. It's a mug with Dolly on it that actually has my name and it says, I will always love you, Lorraine. <laughs> oh my god! I don't very often find personalized <laughs> items with my name. Oh god, Dollywood. Uh, it's staffed entirely by retired Caucasians mm. and they're all just happy to be there. Oh, I just work at Dollywood three days a week. It's fun. I get to meet people from all over and it's, um, a coaster park. So, cause I love to eavesdrop. And so a bunch of the people I was eavesdropping on were like those like coaster enthusiast people. So I got to listen in on a real fucking nerdy conversation about like, well, that's actually a, a, a composite track and which is smoother than metal. Oh, um, roller coasters. Yeah. 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 Oh, so mm-hmm. it had, I think five significant coasters, two of which weren't running one that was amazing where you're just like completely horizontal at one point, just going up like, and you're like, Oh, what the fuck is about to happen to me? (laughs) There was one where your legs hang down the wild Eagle. And that was fun, except that it was very hot and very humid. And they put us on the ride and it goes out into the sun and then it stopped. Something was wrong. Oh my God. And so we sat out in the sun for like 10 minutes. And I actually did start to panic of like, like I started kind of testing the restraints mm. and looking around, like, is there any kind of loose bolt? Because what if this is the moment? Like it made me it's think of all destination. those, You've seen all those, oh well, no, God. no, no more about all those apocalypse movies mm-hmm. where skeletons are in their car. And I'm like, Oh my God, there would be skeletons in these rides. Like I'm going to die here. It became scary in a way or that I wasn't ready for. Or it's when the zombie apocalypse breaks exactly, out. Exactly. Like, they and... can't get at me because I'm up in the mm-hmm. air. And then you have to stay up there. And then... And then the horde comes in and just, like... No, like, no, because I'm, I'm up. Like, I'm... I know, I was but dangling. you can't get down. I can't, no. You have to stay up there forever. They'd pro- Yeah, they would totally be, like, milling around underneath me as so, urine just dripped off my leg. I cannot... I can't handle rides because all I can the... think about is the janky sort of setup that... Yeah. You know, because they have to assemble it all and put it all up there, and you're trusting whoever's running it to. It's not the keep you fair, though. Safe. I mean, oh my god, it's a. I don't. Dollywood was very professional feeling. Like it was very clean. Everybody that worked there was very professional and courteous. Like it was the closest to like Disney level theme park oh. that I've ever been to. I was really impressed. The food. I mean, I just had the best day. The food was fucking amazing. Oh my god, I. The things I ate, I will remember for the rest of my life. Mm. And 
it had, I have this very specific subset of rides that I enjoy, which I think comes from me going on. Do you remember when Seattle Center had an amusement park? Oh, yeah. Do you remember Trip to Mars? Oh, no. Where you get in. So I love rides like that where it's a dark ride. You get in a thing and it's kind of like a haunted house and it goes around. And the things are not remotely scary. Most of them are non-operational. I have a very fond place in my heart for those rides. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. So a dark ride with janky animatronics. Oh, yeah. And uh, this Dollywood has, it's like the pinnacle. I laughed so hard. (laughs) Um, It's called... Raging Fury, and you get on, and I think you're in like a little fire truck. You go through the story is that the town's town's on fire, <laughs> so you go in, and one of the first things that you see, there are so many things too that are just direct ripoffs of Disneyland. And I sent some pictures to some friends of mine who are Disneyland aficionados of like, oh look, it's the flying elephants. I was like, yeah, not Dumbo. And then they had like the spinning tea saucers, like <laughs> other cups that you sat in yeah. that spun, but not teacups. <laughs> it kind of reminded me of Pirates of the Caribbean because you get on that, you go through the calm swamp. But is it narrated? No, no. Oh, I, I wish. Thought. That's what I'm saying. Not a lot of Dolly in Dollywood. Oh. So you get on, there's no narration, just these like vignettes. Uh-huh. And so you get on and, and to your left, there's an elderly couple and they're kind of rocking on their front porch and there's flames everywhere. No one really seems that alarmed. And the man has his, he has a shotgun on his lap and he's yeah. got his hands mm-hmm. kind of draped over it yeah. and his hands Ready. look like they've been run over by a car. And he looks very desiccated. And I kept saying, like, I think they're supposed to be dead. I think that they are undead. Um, and my husband's like, oh, that doesn't work. And I'm like, I don't want to believe that these are supposed to be alive humans because they were, like, gray. It was very mm, They've been there for years upsetting. and years and years, likely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think this was probably original to the park um and hasn't been changed in the most glorious way please dollywood don't if you're listening do not do not touch this ride do not clean it do not dust it it is perfect and so yeah you go through it's all these vignettes that just kind of don't make sense the only time you see a firefighter he is in a saloon and also one of the things i loved was that none of the mannequins are in proportion to one another so <laughs> He's in this room and he's kind of got his little flappy hands on the top of the saloon doors and you see his feet coming up from underneath and his back's to the fire. And I'm kind of like, hey, dude, you know, do you want to maybe turn around and do something? And then uh, the other, one of my other favorite vignettes. Oh, and, and all the animatronics did was just kind of like rock back and forth about 20 degrees. And so no matter if they're on rock, no matter chairs. the situa- situation. <laughs> so the rocking chairs, you see them rocking and you're like, okay. And then you see the fireman rocking in the saloon doors and you're like, okay, I guess he's trying to get out. Cause he's just like, you guys are on your own. I'm, I, I'm clocking out. And then you see a woman and she's on the, like the roof of a building and there's a man below trying to urge her to jump. And I think she's supposed to be referencing Dolly Parton because he's like, jump, Molly, jump. And she's like, I'm scared, Travis. And I thought at first that she had her arms kind of crossed in front of her like this, but they had, no, it was these giant breastuses that I think <laughs> because she was supposed to be Dolly. So they had given her these massive teats. 
Oh my gosh. So yeah. So, and then she's just kind of rocking. She's like, I can't, I can't. He's like, do it, Molly. And then you come around another one and there's a very upsetting, there's a man in a stable and there's a horse behind him and he's just rocking, but it kind of looks like he's masturbating. Oh, I was just loving it so much. And then all of a sudden, you know, cause it's a dark ride. So then you get away from these vignettes. It's totally dark. And then all of a sudden, whoop, 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 you go through, you go down these drops. Jeremy's sunglasses flew off of his head from the violence of it all. And so that's also a delight because you're already like, just, you're so baffled by what you're seeing. And then it's like, you thought you was on this ride, but surprise, boom, boom, boom. And you just again? drop. Ride of Fury. Raging, raging Fury. Because we kept joking, okay. too, that it was like Raging Furries. <laughs> so there was that. I ate French fries with pulled pork and pump cheese. That was just, I think there might have been some chili on them as well. Ooh. Amazing. I had a loaf of cinnamon bread that was from the old mill Ooh. that was dripping butter. And then the guy... It was like, do y'all want some buttercream frosting on there? And I was like, what are you trying to do here? And then my husband got this <laughs> insane cookie sandwich. It was like two, two cookies the size of your head with like a full inch and a half of that buttercream frosting. Oh and he just kind of was eating it like a bear, just grabbing like a scoop of it in his hand. And uh, So Dollywood is like 10 thumbs up. Highly recommended. Dang, okay. Really loved it. This is in Indiana. No, 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 no. No, we were in Tennessee. Oh, oh, okay. Nope. I think we've decided we're kind of done going to Indiana. So we're just going to do family vacations where we meet somewhere. That's a good idea. We did that last time in St. Louis. We had a blast. I, I love St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just finding mm-hmm. that, yeah, we're all just kind of on this neutral turf that yeah. things go a little better. So we flew in and out of Nashville, which is about a four and a half hour flight. The flight to Nashville was hell on earth. We decided to try something new. So there's two flights a day. You can leave at 7.30 in the morning or 5.30 at night. We've done the 7.30 one before. And I thought, oh, let's try doing a night flight because maybe the kids will be more docile because they'll be low-key and sleepy. Sleepy. Backfired completely. But I just thought, oh, you know, it'll be nice. We'll have a whole day to pack. I went and got my nails did. I got some shellac. Got a lot of compliments on those nails. You can kind of see the remnants of this on this toe. Um, That's all that's left. But that's how long it's been. So, you know, I went and got my nails done. We're packing. We're just kind of making sure the house is in order. We don't have to leave the airport till like three. So that part was cool. And then the flight, I wanted to kill my children. And people, everyone I talked to is like, well, I just bring an iPad. Bitch, we had a Nintendo Switch. We had DSs. We had Kindles. They did not give a fuck. They were so excited and just gacked. I don't know what the fuck was going on. I was so thankful that the people in front of us also had small children. So they were kind of interacting. And then, so we did like a three in one. And I think the tip that I've gotten from a couple people is if you're a family of four, you just do two and two. And I ended up Mm -hmm. having to sit in between the children because they just couldn't stop fucking with each other. And they were just rowdy. So that was unpleasant. And I'm sitting there too. Like I brought the, I brought my laptop and I'm like, I'm just going to edit the podcast on the plane. It'll be great. And Jeremy's like, ha ha ha. So he sat in front of us, but then on the way back, I did get to do that because of course on the way home, they were not shitty and they just sat in the row across from me. And I sat next to a man who was clearly coming from the Pokemon World Tournament, which is also happening in Nashville. Because So again, we flew out of Nashville in and out. So we had a couple days on the way back where we kind of hung out in Nashville for a minute. So that was an entertaining plane ride too, because that weekend that we were in Nashville, Pokemon World Tournament, and then also Taylor Swift 
mm. was playing. And mm. so there were all these people on the plane who had gone to Nashville mm. just to see Taylor Swift and then just to Pokemon. I wish I could have stopped by the Pokemon World Tournament because the merch for it was Pikachu with a cowboy hat and a guitar. It was so fucking cute. <laughs> I was waiting for the man next to me to fall asleep so I could make his hat disappear. And then this other woman got on the plane that I just was in love with. Super beautiful, tall African-American woman, young, you know, just when you get old and you see someone that's like, it's like, oh my God, you're just <laughs> in full bloom. So like braids down to her waist. Yeah. Probably like at least 5'10". Clearly much more evolved <laughs> than anyone else on the plane. And under under one arm, she had a Pikachu doll that's about the size of a beach ball. And then on the, under the other arm was a yoga mat. And I was just like, this is your carry on. You're amazing. You are living your best life. You're living my best life. You're living better than anyone on here. So she's kind of my like idol. Now she get this, that woman gives me hope for the human race. It's like, yeah, I've got my yoga mat and my Pikachu. So I'm ready to go. Ready for whatever what, what comes my your, way. Your carry on. Oh fuck! I mean, <laughs> that was the other thing. I think it was when we were. Yeah, it was when we were leaving Nashville. We were kind of running late, anyways, because because I married it. We had acquired so much shit on our vacation that we had to go to the post office to ship stuff home. My husband is maybe not the best with time management, so we get there. We're like trying to grab food. We go to get in line, and then, of course, my husband's like, and we're already kind of late. Like, they've already loaded our section of the plane. And my husband's like, well, Harold's got to poop. So I'm like, of course he does. So we're getting on the plane way after we're supposed to. We're just kind of this mess. But I've done my math, and I know that we've got the right amount of carry-ons for the amount of people that we are. And we get up there, and it's clearly this guy who's just started. And he was like, um, so there's – and I'm like, yeah, we've each got our personal item and our carry-on. It's fine. Let us on the plane. And he's just kind of like, um, and he's counting. And I'm like, let us on the plane. It's fine. And I'm like, do you see? One, two, three, four, five, six, and there's eight of us. Let us on the – or, you know, whatever. Let us on the plane. And so I just scared him into – he was just like, okay, yeah, it looks fine. Because so, my husband had also stopped to get a fucking case of beer. And I'm like, really? On top of all this shit that we're carrying, we look like that lady, the lady from Labyrinth. And he had to stop and get a like half rack or whatever of beer, this big bulky box. So are you talking about the trash lady? The, yeah. The woman who's at the dump and like, oh, this is so great. Don't yeah. throw this away. Yeah. You're going to need it. Yeah. Because I had a backpack on me. I'm carrying like a carry-on with wheels. You know that they're making the aisles and everything narrower and narrower on this plane. So we get on and I've got it. We're in like row 30. I'm trying to get on and I'm just, I'm, I'm the worst. I'm whacking people in the face with my backpack. And Jeremy's like, Lorraine. And I was just like, I'm just... I'm just trying to live. I'm. So, it was just like, sorry, 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 sorry. You know, my buttocks are barely wide enough to fit through this aisle. And then I've got all this shit hanging off of me. I just had to do it. And, you know, that's kind of what I said to Jeremy when he's like, God, what? I was like, I just have to do this right now. All those times that I don't jaywalk and I use my turn signal and I let someone in, like I have earned this karma to whack a cranky old man in first class straight in the face with my backpack. 
which happened. So yeah, we finally get on there and we've got all of our shit situated kind of dovetailing with my thing on episode four about people who don't know how to get on and off elevators is people who don't know how the fuck to get on and off a plane. You deplane, you get your shit in the order in which you board it. Like, Row by row, Mm -hmm. row by row, Mm -hmm. you are not more important than the people in Mm -hmm. front of you. And on every single flight, some asshole had to run up in front of everybody. Like they're, they're just standing there. The minute that the wheels touch the tarmac, they're just like, "Mm, mm, mm." yeah, some Tilda Swinton looking motherfucker had to just jump up and shove in front of everybody. And then she's standing there getting her shit out of the overhead bins and like she's fumbling with it. She had like a guitar cause you know, you're coming from Nashville. So it's a bunch of like music people. Oh, right. Yeah. She had a guitar and a backpack and all this shit. And it's like, Oh great. Now we're all staring at you like, <laughs> while you fuck around with all this unwieldy shit that you crammed into the overhead bin. Traveling is fun. <sighs> this Gatlinburg pigeon forge Sevierville area has it's like the ultimate family vacation spot. It is rife with all the stuff that I like to do, like weird museums. And of course there's a Ripley's museum there, which I never pass up. I've been to them. Like if I see one, I'm like, pull over. We're going to the Ripley's. Is there one in Washington? Somewhere, I bet. There's one in Newport, mm-hmm. Oregon. Okay. I feel like I've been to one off of oh, like yeah. Highway 101 in California. Uh-huh. Oh, I think there was one in South Dakota when we okay. went to Mount Rushmore. So Anywhere that there's kind of like a big tourist attraction, you'll find a Ripley's Museum, mm-hmm. which is just a bunch of like wax replicas of, you know, this guy was the tallest man on earth. Right. And my kids love that Ripley's stuff. We've got a couple of books that they walk around with and say, Mom, did you know? Mm-hmm. They would like oh, it. Oh, I did it's not fun. know that. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're fun. They also feel kind of like you really want to wash your hands oh. when you're done. <laughs> So we did that. And also Gatlinburg has an amazing aquarium that's run by Ripley's mm-hmm. and wait, what's it called? Gatlin? Gatlinburg. And it is Isn't right. Isn't Gatlin a gun? Like a Tommy gun? That's, it's a Gatlin unrelated. Gun? Unrelated. Ga- a Gatlin gun. This is not relevant. Oh, well, I just, <laughs> don't you say? I mean, it's, it's Southern. I mean, they right? do love guns in Tennessee. Yeah. That's what I mean. They, oh yeah. A lot really love guns. But it's right at the entrance to Smoky Mountain National Park, which is also amazing. It's the most visited national park in the country. It is inc- The biodiversity is off the chain. 200 species alone of salamanders. They're still discovering, like, thousands of new species there every year. And it's, like, fungi and stuff. But, you know, cool. it was. It felt geologically a little different. We just did a couple little hikes. I would love to go back and do some more serious hikes because I was doing some salamander hunting. But we were on pretty, like, well-traveled touristy trails. So... Mm-hmm. Every rock had kind of already been flipped. I didn't, I only saw like a couple little dudes, but that was enough. That made me happy. And then shitloads of bears. We played this thing called Hillbilly Golf where you ride this little tram up the side of the mountain and you can get off on one side or the other. There's too many golf things. And we were doing putt-putt golf and it's like, oh shit, like 200 feet away, bear. Just like, all over the place. The first condo that we stayed at, we checked in and there was a bear in the yard and I was like... You know, I get in there and I'm looking off the deck and I'm like, God damn it. People just need to have control over their dogs. And then I look and I'm like, what kind of dog is that anyway? And then I'm like, oh shit. Cause it was just so casual. <laughs> and then, and then it sees me and it comes over and it started kind of like acting like it was about to climb up the deck 
you know, because it was... Dude, it probably smelled all your snacks that you were feeding your children. Or just whatever was on my fingers. Yes. From being in the car and eating snacks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was... It ended up kind of trapping my mother-in-law in her car. I mean, we came out and the minivan that we had rented had, like, paw marks on all the door handles. Like, they know how to work a door mm. handle. So, it was really a really fun vacation, but it was pretty much, like, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. up because there's so much to do doing stuff. And there's a bunch of stuff that I missed. Like they have a Titanic museum. They have a true crime museum that I really wanted to go to, but I kind of felt like I had to choose between going to this like tourist wrapped true crime museum and going to Smoky Mountain National Park. And I was like, well, I'll feel like kind of a shit heel if I, you know, chose Mm -hmm. to go see like Ed Gein's lamp versus, (laughs) you know, Clingman's Dome, which we did that as well. We did we did Climbing and Stone and Grotto Falls, which are kind of two. You were my true vacation idol. Oh, hey. All that stuff, I would love to do stuff like that. Oh, we went to the Salt and Pepper Shaker Museum. Mm. This was amazing. I think it's like $3 to get in, and it's in this little strip mall. Hundreds salt of thousands of shakers. salt and pepper shakers. Hmm. They had one. Hmm. My favorite was it had, they had a Mount St. Helens salt and pepper shaker where the top comes off and it looks like before and after. So the top comes off and it's the pepper and it was it's cute. It's amazing. Pretty cute. So really good family vacation, but it was like got home from that, had one day to do laundry and then Clem started school the next day. So it was like, boom, 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 hit the ground running. No And I think even on that day in between, we ended up going to the water park. Oh, and then Clem, for her birthday, we were in Nashville. And her, I was like, okay, anything you want. What do you want to do for your birthday? So she wanted to go to a water park, eat pizza, followed by ice cream. So we did that. Nashville has a great water park called Nashville Shores. Unlike a lot of water parks, you can have, because we talked about wild waves last time. You can have a flotation device in the wave pool. And you can go with that one on the river ride. So... Most water parks, like, make you use a floaty in the river, right? Mm. You can't have one in the wave pool. That sounds dangerous. It was fun. No, super fun. Mm. And I, st- I got another water park colonic in another wedgie. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm it sure was really intense. It was, this, it was this one that was basically shaped like a giant skateboard ramp. So you drop in, and then you just kind of go back and forth. And I was like, oh, I can do that. That's pretty. Well, imagine, if you will, that you drop in, and there's, and there's water coming up like this, and you're going down like this, and, and, and your buttocks, yeah, so if you're in a ring, you, and your buttocks to to other people. are out. Imagine. Yeah. Imagine what the filtration it's, is it's like. A, it's a toilet. Yeah. Basically, I know that it, um, I think, I think it, I think I got an enema. Like I told Jeremy, I'm like, I think poop came out of it like a fish, you know? And, and I also, once again, had a thong. Like I stood up and I was like, woo. And the guy was just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. It was a good day. A lot of really good days. No bad days, but just not a lot of like downtime, mm-hmm. you know? Like I yeah. said, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day. Yeah. Ooh, very active family vacation. So we're talking about doing Yellowstone next time. Nice. So that'll be fun too. And also bears. Bears. Our vacations are like the exact opposite of that. Our vacations Chill are more to the like, max. yep, we don't, we purposely don't plan anything. We just try as hard as we can not to have a, a schedule and. Well, that's Long Beach. Yeah. That's why you go to Long Beach. That's why you go to Long Beach. To just chill. Yep. And then the other thing that I did too was I had our organization module encampment. Should I even change encampment? Is that TM? <laughs> Ensconcement? Uh, and that 
pouring down rain all weekend, but also like, it's been like, I've been living my best life. I've been having a lot of fun. I'm also exhausted and everything smells like pee, but such is life. What are we learning about today? What what are we learning about today? Ready for your master class, Ginger? So yeah, the last time we met up, I was like halfway through the book about this, and now it's kind of hard because I watched a bunch of YouTube stuff, and so it's kind of my rearview mirror. But I'm trying to like, I'm trying to muster and rally. Don't force it. Well, you know, don't force it. We can go on to. I do research, man. Oh. I see. I spend like hours. Well, getting you're this really stuff selling together. this, sto- this story. This is well, no, really it's making just, me interested now. Lorraine. You should be okay because <laughs> I do. I love. I do. I love this story. Okay, I'm getting into it. Okay, so you're not remembering anything. <sighs> no, 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 no. It's just like I'm. I'm getting it in order. Okay, here she um, goes. Okay, actually, we've talked about this before because it's the Bothell Hell House. Oh God. Yes. Which, I mean, we're coming into, we're in late September, we're getting spoopy, it's going to be Halloween time. Did you say spoopy? Spoopy. Is that a word? It's like, uh, yeah, the kids, the kids say it. Spoopy. Spoopy. Like spoopy. Oh my God, that's cute. You know, these kids, they're so good. Spoopy. It's, I don't know if it's that like. (laughs) That's so cute. No, I really love it. Floof and boot kind of doggo speak, but to me, spoopy means ghostesses and stuff like that, but not like murdery. Yeah, Although, not like axe murdery. Yeah. Okay. Not like okay. hook for a hand necessarily. So we should say that I live in Bothell. That's where we are right now, which is why this is so interesting to me, the Bothell Hell House. Yes. And it's right around here somewhere. I have to say one of my favorite things about Bothell, which I love Bothell. It seems very charming. You're downtown. It's, it's very, very lovely. You have very your cute, cute 4th of July parade. But every once in a while, so... And I feel like this has come up before. So somewhere in Bothell, there's your sign that says, welcome to Bothell for a day or a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And it gives me so much joy when some kid covers up the BOT. <laughs> so it just says, welcome, to, welcome hell to hell for a day or a lifetime. And I'm just like, ah, uh. because oh, where I'm at in Renton, tradition. it's like our slogan is ahead of the curve. I mean... Meh. Oh, literally, because Renton has the, the S curves. Because the S curves, which I sat on uh, um, for about a half an hour coming up here today, going five curve. miles an hour <laughs> from Renton to Newcastle, just five miles an hour, just eating my breakfast oh, sandwich, listening to a podcast, so just trying to keep my chill. Mm. So the Bothell Hell House, this story, I don't even know what to call it because it goes beyond poltergeist. It's hard to quantify it, and it really reinforces my – oh, I have to say, too. You can't, when I tell you these stories, I always have the utmost respect for everybody involved. And if nothing else, even if you think this is bullshit, we have to respect that this, this person at the very least believes that this happened to them. I absolutely No poo-pooing. Okay. No, I totally agree. Don't shit on this guy, Keith. Oh, no, I don't shit on the people. Okay. I just don't, I just don't know if I can go full on like, yep, this is definitely happening. But I believe um, that he thinks it's happening. Come on the journey with me because there's going to be a couple moments where I'm going to say some stuff and I know you're going to make a face because, because. Okay. But, um. All right. I heard, I first heard about this because I was listening to the Jim Harold Paranormal Podcast. He's kind of like an OG right up there with Art Bell and George Norrie and. Um, he has a few podcasts that are all really great, like ghost story ones. And I heard this man, Keith Linder, on there talking about his experience. And it just really, something about it really struck me, besides the fact that it's in Bothell. He's just sounded so tired. 
Like, he was just, he's so sick of this. He really wants it to be over. Um, this has really taken a giant shit all over Keith's life. So. And Keith, he's the, he's the, re- he's, the resident. Yeah. He's the one that lives in the, yeah. in so the house. Th- this house was built in 2001. And that's kind of part of the problem is that he's trying to talk to people about this manifestation. And when you tell people that it's happening in a newer construction house, Right there, you just lose people. Mm -hmm. And when you see this house, it's, uh, what is it, 2,800 square feet. So it's a nice kind of that sort of nouveau craftsman. Okay. Not very far apart from one another. And it looks like it's in a cul-de-sac. And then behind his house is still sort of like natural area. Okay. Where, of course, there's a little creek, which which brings in the running water, which running water often features prominently in poltergeist cases or just high strangeness that kind of checks off. But it's interesting too, because the other houses are so close, but it was just his house. That's got this thing going on. So the house built in 2001, he moves in with his girlfriend, Tina in 2012 and they're renting the house. They move in. And I think pretty much as soon as they got the keys and the landlord left very soon, a couple things started to happen. I also... Was this guy the original owner who was the landlord? You know um, what I mean? Like, did he buy I a house in 2001 or whatever? Let me just say, too, that Keith wrote a book called The Bothell Hell House, which I did read. All due respect to Keith. He's a... So he works in IT. He's a smart guy. This book could have used the skills of a writer. <laughs> it is, <laughs> it was, it was editor. challenging to read, <laughs> uh, at parts and Ooh. it reads like he used dictation software, hit spell check, and then hit publish. The other frustrating thing for me, and this is just on me, I was reading it on a Kindle paperwhite and he drops links in to like EVPs and YouTube clips in through the book. So he does a good job with that. It just, yeah, it could have used some editing because it's a really fascinating story. So that's what kept me reading. But that's why I was having such a hard time because there were these like digressions. He starts a lot of sentences with the phrase ladies and gentlemen. And it's just like, don't break that wall, man. Don't. (laughs) But so they move in. And so one of the first things they experience is a sound of a kid coughing. And they're like, that's, you know, we don't have a kid weird. And they, you know, as you would, they're just kind of like, huh, maybe the neighbor's windows open or I don't know, something. They kind of brush it off. Pretty soon after that, they are sitting and watching TV and they've got a big potted plant and the plant comes up off the ground, rotates 360 degrees and then like falls over. And they're like, okay. And I think that's the first time that we hear Tina say, (laughs) for some reason, I love this. I love this about her every time something new happens every time something fucked up happens tina's reaction is that's different (laughs) so isn't that great that's different um so of course you know bangs tapping which again i think is is some it's one thing to read about these sounds but when we're talking about a bang like it's a fucking bang and it and and he describes it as like it sounds like it's like the sound is being generated by the walls themselves it's not even necessarily the, the sound of a fist it's just like in the walls so they're in there uh another thing that starts happening right away is 
they would come downstairs and every single drawer and cabinet in the kitchen is wide open. And it's in, this, you know, this house is really nice. Um, so it's a nice big kitchen and there's a lot like of that pictures to me every morning after my husband's been in the, in the kitchen. Well, exactly. A breakfast. human's been in there. Yeah. I mean, I see open cabinet doors right now, but this is, mm-hmm. these people too, like Keith and Tina are very, they're very tidy, very clean people. I mean, they don't have kids, so their house looks nice. Walkers. They got like knickknacks sitting around. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So then they're like, okay. And I think it's just as hard for them to understand. I feel like if you moved into a house that was built in like the 1800s, you'd be like, ooh, but they were just kind of not quite, you know, you just kind of can't quite believe it. So, what does Tina do? What is her occupation? I forget what she does for a living, but I know Keith works downtown. I think she worked somewhere on the east side. And part of it, too, like I felt like this, the book is just as much about, like it's like a journey watching this relationship get destroyed by this thing. Mm-hmm. And there were so many times where I was like, Keith, Tina, like talk to each other because they're she had been married for it sounds like quite a long time. Like she's, a, they're a little bit older than us. So she's got an adult son who's in his like early twenties, but she had been with a man who I guess had cheated on her. So she's got some baggage. Keith has been single for something like eight to 10 years. And so he's kind of in his likes to play video games, okay. you know, so okay. he's kind of, All so, right. so that's kind of where these people are at. So okay. they want to work on their relationship. So they get this house together and this house for Keith was also his like, Hey, I've arrived. I'm doing really well. Look, everybody, he wants to show this off. So they have a housewarming party and, um, their guests get their hair pulled. They get scratched. And it's one of those things where the house is full of people. The music's going, he had a DJ and shit. And yeah, people are like, what the hell? But it's, but again, it's nothing that would make you be like, Bleh! so you when just people be like, came hey. over, did he first tell them that his house was well, kind no, of? Because he still didn't really realize it himself. He's just moved in. And a couple things have happened where you're like, well, that's kind of weird, but whatever. Hmm. You, you know, I think it's reasonable. Most people don't go straight to like, I've got a poltergeist. My house is on it. Yeah. You know, you're just kind of like, huh? Yeah, okay. So <laughs> some things happen with his guests. This is such a big, at one point I thought about like compiling a list, but it's, it's a long list of all these incidents. So, you know, if you want to get into it, there is a documentary online, but to be honest, I, I tried to buy it and I couldn't there. It's, it's made by British people. There's some sort of PayPal situation. I clicked through a bunch of links and it just seemed janky and I couldn't get it to work. But Hey, if you're more tech savvy than me, there is a Bothell Hell House documentary that you can watch. Um, and I'll get into the people who made it in a minute, but Keith and Tina, they're in the house and these things keep happening. So then he starts installing cameras all over the house. Cause he's trying to just figure it out. He's trying to catch what happens. Things are disappearing, just little things, but important things like his mom had given him this special teacup and he had let someone drink out of it. I think kind of at the end of the party, even this very specific fancy teacup that was important to him. And that disappeared. That was one of the first things to go missing. Um, and just try to imagine too, uh, his car keys would go missing. And he's like, you know, that sounds really annoying, but every time you have to replace one of those key fobs, it's 400 bucks. And you're trying to get out the door. You're trying to leave for work. You go to get your keys. You know that you left them in your little wicker key basket. They're just not there. He would have, you know, money taken out of his wallet. Do you go to tip the pizza guy? And you're like, yeah, surprise. You got no money. And then things that weren't theirs would appear just 
weird, random old things. One of the things that would appear would be old pieces of mail. So that's how he was able to figure out who some of the previous tenants in the house were, because clearly important pieces of mail that were from years ago would just appear in the house. So this, whatever is manifesting in this house is such a jerk. (laughs) <laughs> it is, it's, it is mean hmm. and it really focuses on Keith, but there seem to be some sort of rules or laws that I believe that these things could cause your death. Cause there are times where I'm like, why doesn't this thing just stab him and get it over with, you know, but it is tormenting him. One of the things that it did was he was in the shower and the smoke alarm's going off. He's, he smells flames and it has set this poster on fire and he's got because there's only two of them and they're in this giant house. They have, I think it's a five bedroom house. So he's got an office and then they have guest bedroom and then they have their master suite. So he likes to kick it in his office and plays games and watch videos and stuff. And so he's got this pretty bitchin' Final Fantasy poster. And it's not like a paper poster. It's one of those ones that you get from like the anime store. That's right. the fabric. That's what it looked like in the pictures anyway. And the pictures are fascinating because the fire department came out. They couldn't figure out how this thing had caught fire. Nothing around it is on fire. Just this poster. So he gets out of the shower and he's like, oh shit, there's a fire. And so he goes straight for the front door. The front door won't open. It's not locked. It just won't open. So this thing's like, I mean, that's pretty... Hmm scary fire department comes they're just like yeah this is really weird it has just there's poltergeist stuff but then he also sees like he sees an apparition of a woman so at one point he's i believe sitting in his office in his office chair doing stuff and he sees this gray lady is what he called her come down the hallway she kind of looks in the room flicks off the light switch he hears the light switch click and then he sees her go around the corner, kind of get frustrated that the door's closed, like a door is closed. He, she can't get through it. And then I think he looks at her and she's like, Oh crap. And she disappears. So then, okay, but there's a child that has been coughing. No, that's the only time they heard that kid cough. Hmm. They also, another interesting thing is that he would hear sounds that it was impossible for anything in the house to generate. So specifically one of the things that he hears all the time is the sound of, have you ever lived in a house where you have like one of those attics that where you pull the stairs yeah. down? And I get it because you know that sound. Yeah. It's the sound it's like of like springs. springs. Yeah. So he would hear specifically the sound. And his, this house did not have this. The sounds of that springs. ladder being pulled down in those springs. And he would hear like, so the house is totally carpeted. And he would hear the sounds of like a very heavy, like a steamer trunk being dragged across a hard, hardwood floor. Mm. He would hear the sounds of furniture being fucked with. So there's this interesting phenomenon of like, he would hear a sound and then there would be a delay of quite a while. And then the thing would happen. So he'd hear the sound of like this wardrobe, this thing like fucked with this wardrobe, hardcore. And this is big, heavy wardrobe and it would tip it over and it would move around. So let's say he hears the wardrobe getting pushed over and then he'd go upstairs and nothing would be amiss, you know, but you, you know what these things sound like. And then he would, yeah, he'd go to check on it. The thing's fine. And then later he hears no sound, goes upstairs to go to bed and the wardrobe's tipped over and he never heard a thing. To me, this case just speaks so much of like some sort of interdimensional bugaboo, like some sort of weakness in the fabric of something that these things are coming through. Uh, Tina was scratched. 
Oh, light fixtures straight up exploded. So they were vacuuming. Does he have any of this on a video? Does well, he have it? So like, here's the thing is like poltergeists, first of all, are notoriously evasive. And it's really hard to catch. Like if something's throwing objects, you don't know where it's going to come from. And so there's a lot of times where he has video, but it's of just a, an object flying from point A to point B. And so he's not quite getting footage of like the exact origin point of the object. So at a certain point, this thing is ruined. It's really messing with his life, him and Tina. It's messing with their relationship. It's like truly who, who are you going to call? Who are you going to call? (laughs) I mean, really though, I had never thought about this. There are no ghostbusters Mm -hmm. and you have these things happening. You need help. What do you do? You move. Well, And so he gets a lot of shit for renting this place and not moving out. I think by the time it got bad enough to where he seriously considered moving, first of all, Keith seems like a cool guy, nice guy. And he's like, hey, we move out. This is just someone else's problem. Let's say some people with a baby move in. We need to fix this. So he felt kind of responsible for it, even though he didn't own the house. And then the other thing is that it started to, the phenomenon started to follow him. So he would go on a business trip. So at first his solution when he, cause this thing uh, would keep, it didn't let him sleep. It didn't really let him relax because he would go to bed and he would lay there and he said he would feel a sensation like a cat almost dropping from the ceiling and then walking across the bed towards him. He would see like indentations and then it ramped up to where this thing is poking him in the ribs. It's holding him down. Uh, multiple of these almost like creatures that he would describe. And I think he said they ranged, some of them are only six inches tall. Some of them are a little bit bigger and they would also fuck with him. He has a little diagram that he drew in in the book and and you can find all this stuff online too, uh, where he's sitting on the couch and these things are just kind of all over him. So he, at one point he would go to Spokane and stuff for work and, and he could get some peace that way. But then it started to be that they would be on the plane with him. He would feel stuff and he would go to these other places and the same thing was happening kind of to a lesser degree. But, you know, so he's like, well, why move out if I can't get away from these things? They're just going to come with me. I need to solve this. Hmm. It did ruin his relationship because this, this thing, super crafty was dropping women's jewelry. It would drop jewelry that wasn't Tina's into the bed that it probably gotten from previous tenants. And to me, I'm like, I mean, who knows what was really going on in the relationship, but I'm just kind of like, Tina, your house is fucking haunted. Like when is Keith going to cheat on you? He, he, has, he doesn't have the time. Like he's tired. But I think because of her relationship history, she just could not believe that he hadn't cheated on her. So this thing mission accomplished, it broke up their relationship So another thing that was interesting to me is the walls are constantly needing to be patched. These light fixtures are constantly needing to be replaced. And he contacts the landlord and landlord's just like, okay, yeah, do whatever you got to do. Like the landlord never seems concerned or like, what the fuck are you doing in this house? The landlord kind of seems to know, like the the landlord's not surprised. Hmm. Does uh, Keith still live there? No. He moved out in 2016. So so he lives somewhere else in an apartment, but things are still happening to him. Hmm. So he's still kind of having his sleep disturbed, which 
I mean, what a way to ruin someone's life, right? Like, if you don't get sleep, you can't. I'm. I can't believe so that he probably doesn't know what has happened to the house since he moved. From what I've gathered, some some another family moved in and things are fine. Hmm. But the woman who lived in the house before him, so he found this piece of mail. He got a name. He found her on Facebook. He contacted her. She didn't want to talk about it at first at all because she's like, we got away from it. We're healing from it. Um, unfortunately, she did take her own life pretty recently. Oh, okay. And her full name and everything's disclosed in the book. But she had lived there with her husband and at least one son and I think maybe an older girl. Because one of the phenomenon that was heard in the house was the sounds of a woman and like a daughter fighting. You couldn't, couldn't discern any words, but you hear this like heated argument out in the hallway. And there's a ton of EVPs and stuff from this hmm. that, um, some of which are, are so, I haven't heard anything like it. Like it's so clear. It just sounds like a recording of a dude talking. It's really unnerving. So Keith and Tina, when they were still together, they contact the Catholic church. They totally get the runaround. They get crapped on. I think they finally got a priest to come out. He tells them to burn sage and pray. And, uh, they, they start laying out Bibles all over the house. It doesn't do anything. And this thing sets fire to the Bibles. And that's another really interesting thing is you can see these burned Bibles. So the Bible's like on a second, on the second shelf of a bookshelf comes out, the Bible's burned. There's no debris around the Bible. There's no singeing on the shelf that would be above the burning Bible. There's no singeing on the wall behind. So it's almost like this object has been taken somewhere, burned, and then like set back in there. Another Bible disappeared. I think he said it was missing for like a year or two. And then one day he's doing laundry and he hears the sounds of something in the washing machine, like kathunk, 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 that shouldn't be in there. And the, the Bible's in the washing machine. It's just appeared in there. The religious people aren't any help. And, and he and Tina are, are Christian. They believe in God, but they're not like super hardcore. And that was one of the things that kind of caused problems in their relationship was this constantly having to burn sage. He's like, would you help me out? Would you take turns doing this? And she's just kind of like, ugh, which I get because it didn't seem to be doing anything except for pissing the thing off. Yeah. One paranormal researcher came over to the house and apparently the thing lit the sage stick for her, which is such a fuck you of like, yeah, you want to burn some sage? Here, let me light that for you. <laughs> Have fun with that. At least their house smelled good, I guess. So nothing's helping. Another really interesting anecdote is he offered to be, um, when the Xbox Connect was coming out, he offered to be like a, a test subject for it. So they come out, you know, he gets kind of a sneak preview of the Connect. The Xbox team comes out. All right. So we just had to take a little break because we had to take go pick up sweet baby Jay from preschool where preschool. he's doing phenomenally. He's so advanced. He is. He's an indigo <laughs> child. I, he's going to... I, I he's, bet he's an indigo. <laughs> What's that mean? Oh, fuck. That's like a whole... We'll get into that. A whole other <laughs> thing. Right. But we were kind of talking on our little jaunt, um, and you brought up the, the thought that, you know, maybe Keith is just mentally ill. I will say people can hide that stuff really well, but it's just not the vibe I get from this dude. And he also too, once the research got further along, he would set up camp. So the kitchen table was kind of like visible from almost everywhere in the ha in the house. And so he would do on his work from home days, he would sit up on his kitchen table and he would just stay there in clear view of a bunch of the cameras so that you could see that as he's sitting there, you can hear 
the banging and the tapping and the knocking going on in other parts of the house while he is very clearly like at the kitchen table. So Hmm. there's not straight film of a ghost or of a thing necessarily floating, but there's definitely footage of him being in one place and the phenomenon happening in other places. So I feel like that kind of, you know, someone else I was talking to brought up, oh, he, he maybe has dissociative identity disorder and he can't remember. Do like, no, that's just not what's going on here. It's just not. And also we were talking about why you'd want to perpetuate a hoax like this. I, I just, you know, the Amityville people did it. They profited from it. But other than that, no, no, no good in your life is going to come from you saying that your house is haunted. You're going to lose more relationships than you gain. You're going to lose more money than you gain. You know, I think his book, by the way, you know, check out the book. It's like two ninety nine on the Kindle store just for the sheer amount of interesting things that happens to this poor guy. So what I was getting into was he was beta testing the Xbox Connect. And so technicians from Microsoft came and they noted while they were standing there that there were these black blobs kind of just hovering in the air sort of behind him. And they were all completely baffled and mystified. They'd never seen anything like it. So it's kind of frustrating because he said, he's like, somewhere there is footage of this. Microsoft has it in their, Hmm. in their research. You know, the connect picks up everything, right? All movement and stuff. uh So it's picking up these like black blobs. Interesting. Uh, One of the other interesting things that it did to him was he was one of those guys that wears an... (laughs) Bless his heart. Him and Tina iron their clothes. Another sign that you don't have children. (laughs) And that, you know, they're very concerned with, like, come and correct. And, like, the pictures of the house, like, they they, it looks nice. Their house is clean. They are nice, clean people. So he's leaving his house. He's got his button-down shirt on. All of a sudden, he feels a breeze. All the buttons are gone from his shirt. Not cut. Not ripped out. Just gone. So it's this other thing where it's like, whatever this is, can it stop time? It almost sounds like it can, it can stop time, do a bunch of stuff and then start time back up the way that some of these things take place. It's so like, or it can manipulate time the way that these sounds are happening and before the action it's, oh my gosh, it's just so fascinating. And this thing broke stuff. It also, they were constantly vacuuming because it would leave. So it was breaking all these light fixtures, breaking all these things. And he would find groups of three shards of porcelain. Um, this happened multiple times pointing up. So he'd be like sitting on the couch and these, these porcelain shards are like right where you would put your feet when you would go get it to get down from the couch, or they would be like right where you would, you're stepping over the threshold from one room to the other, right where you would step. So they're just vacuuming all the time because light fixtures are breaking. And we're talking to like the, the house has this sort of the, fo- can't figure out if it's like a four way foyer or stairwell, but one of those light fixtures that are a pain in the ass when they break out, when they break or when the light bulb burns out, cause you have to go get the super long ladder. You have to have one of those sticks. That one broke a couple of times. He also saw figures like hand, hand around the corner and then a head. Very unnerving. So he doesn't have footage of this stuff, but he does. The drawings of it are almost just as creepy. Also, at some point, he was pushed down the stairs and his patella, I think it was, I only know it kind of in the, from dogs, but basically, you know, your kneecaps only held in place by like tendons and shit. And so he was bedridden for six weeks because he... He didn't even, he did, it's, it's interesting because he didn't go right to like this thing pushing me down the stairs. It was only when other people were like, do you think you really fell that later he was like, oh my God, 
you know, this thing pushed me down the stairs. And he, by the way, he's like six foot five. He's a pretty substantial guy. Okay. So when most of this was happening, where's Tina? Is she, did she leave him when most of this is happening? No, she stuck around for quite a Maybe while. Maybe Tina was like harassing him and doing all this shit. No, I mean, it's hard too, because yeah, no, a lot of the time she was just, you know, they've got this big house. They're two, two people. So she, he'd be in his office watching a thing or playing video games and she'd just be down watching TV. Mm-hmm. So I don't believe that Tina was doing any of this stuff too, because a bunch of it happened while they were in the same room. And of course, objects flying, the walls being constantly damaged. I don't even mention all the knocking, the tapping, the objects flying, because that's sort of, in a way, pedestrian poltergeist stuff. So the stuff I'm that I'm talking about is the stuff that I just found really unusual and interesting to this case. Mm. So I mentioned before that he got a hold of the lady that had lived in the house previously, and he's mm-hmm. been seeing this female apparition. So one of the other things that I think is super fascinating and unusual is he realizes once he finds this woman that the apparitions he's been seeing are her. So she is still alive. She has moved, but he's seeing this form of her wandering around the house and doing stuff. Isn't that crazy? So it's almost like this thing is just like, I'm going to take a form. I remember this lady. Also, she had lived in the house. I don't think she lasted as long as he did. And her son which also kind of speaks to the kid cough. Her son had come down with some super crazy rare meningitis type thing and was super sick. He apparently had described shadow forms lurking over his bed. And this did follow them when they moved. I want to say they moved to like Spokane or something. They moved pretty far away. And that's why she didn't want to talk to Keith at first because she was so terrified of like in any way bringing this thing back into her life because it had really wreaked Mm -hmm. havoc on her and her family and had destroyed her marriage and apparently led her to kill herself. Yeah. So let's see furniture scratched and destroyed. So they, they contact these priests, they contact these paranormal teams. There was one that came out that, you know, and she was totally convinced. Then they end up through a series of, things being put in contact with ghost adventures. So one of the other things that I, the hits that I took for the team here was I sat through an entire episode of ghost adventures, which is my least favorite (laughs) ghosty show. Mm -hmm. My favorite by the way is dead files. If you're going to watch one of these shows, watch dead files. Ghost adventures is the worst though. I feel like it's, they're just, I call it ghost douchebags because like, there's a ghost right over duh, here in this corner. We're going to go stand there. He's always like, show yourself. And I feel like he's just <laughs> like one step short of being like, suck my balls, ghost. <laughs> if you're real, if you're really here, you'd be like, you know, just, just, going the, down, just, just, just tap yeah. the tip just a little bit. Ugh, I hate those guys. And they came out. They just kind of half-assedly, like they set up. They, they make him and Tina leave, which is stupid because... Keith and Tina are very much the focus of this thing. So they leave. And of course nothing happens because they're not there to trigger it. So they have him and Tina come and go stay in a hotel. They do their stupid shit. You know, they spend like one night in the house. Of course they don't get anything. And then they basically at the end of the episode say inconclusive. So then all these ghost adventure fans start doxing the fuck out of Keith. He gets accused of being a hoaxer 
him and Tina get shat on. It really hits Tina hard. She's there on their phone on Twitter, just like, oh my God, look at what people are saying about me. Because the ghost adventure dudes, they blamed everything on Tina. They basically said she was creepy and, um, and that, yeah, she was maybe doing all this and she took it really personally and it, it really, it was really upsetting for her. So that was really hard to read about too. I just can't imagine you're, you're going through this and your life is like this. And then people are calling you a liar on the internet. It's awful. He finally did get in touch with some actual, he starts doing research into paranormal stuff and poltergeist stuff. And he finds some parapsychologists, Don Phillips and and Steve Mira from, and they come out from England and they do it right. They bring a bunch of stuff. They come out, they spend, I think they lived with him for three weeks and they had no shortage of evidence, footage, experiences. And so they're the ones who make the documentary. They do a little bit more of what you'd think. So one of the other things this thing does is, so his name's Keith Linder. He comes into his office one day. There's graffiti all over his office. It starts out with, I think, 666, this Native American kind of figure, which he researches and it finds finds to mean like dead man or something, or you're going to die. Something about you're dead. Die KL. And this happens a few times. Like one time it snowed and he comes out to his yard and written in the snow is die KL. He comes down to his car because this thing was always messing with his car, popping open the trunk, pushing the panic button. Um, the whole interior of his car is covered with die KL. And one of the first questions that I had, so this was on the walls when Ghost Adventures come out. Do they take a sample of it? Do they analyze it? No, they do not. They don't do, they don't really even examine it at all because it looks like if you held the spray can just a little too far away and you sprayed it. And one of the things is if you close up on it, it looks otherworldly. They, uh, Steven and Don, they actually had like people who would know about paint and like, it's kind of cute because Don's like, we contacted interior designers, you know, <laughs> but people who would know about painting techniques. And none of these people know how this was done because when you close up on it, it's almost Jackson Pollock. It's got like swirls and dips and dots, and it's actually quite beautiful. And it's this sort of pattern that no one, no artists or anything can figure out like how you would replicate this, how you would do this. And then I think it was Steve and Don, they finally took a sample of it and found out that it was bone black. And I think that kind of seems to coincide when we, with when Keith decides to piece the fuck out. And bone black is a pigment that you would make out of charred animal or human bones. So that's pretty darn eerie. But yeah, he tries all the usual stuff that you would think you would do. Bibles around, crucifixes around, everything just gets burned. Oh, and then a bunch of his old pictures. So... You know that box that you just kind of carry along with you as you move and you move and you move? And he's like, if you would have asked me to go get one of these pictures, I wouldn't have been able to find it. Like pictures of his college graduation and stuff. And his face is burned out like someone took a cigarette and just burned it, but in a much more creepy, eerie way. Like it looks, it's like burned and scratched out. It looks very malicious and creepy. So also 
Heath, this whole time, remember, too, his house is filled with cameras. And I think that's another weird stress that you put on your relationship is just, like, you're being filmed. Your house is filled with cameras all the time. But cameras would just straight up disappear. They would be turned to face the wall. He would get, he had it set up, since he's Mr. IT guy, to where he would get an email. He'd get pinged every time one of the cameras was activated or there was movement. And sometimes it would do stuff where he would log on and be like, okay, my uh, bedroom camera and it would show him a different part of the house. And the other creepy thing is a couple of the EVPs, the things on the EVP are talking about the cameras. Like they're curious about it. So there's a really great EVP of like, it's a camera. It's a camera. Night cam. Yeah. If I was really savvy, I'd like patch that in. But yeah, just told us, just go Google it or I don't know. Have some fun. <laughs> Maybe I'll get my poop in a group and put some links on there. EVP, that's electric voice pulses. phenomenon. Oh, okay. I love EVPs. It's super fun. A super nice guy that just, I think it was someone that worked with his dad or something named Father Roy. He came out and did an exorcism. And sometimes it would kind of lessen stuff for a while, but it always came back. And again, it would still mess with Tina, but seemed very focused on Keith. And so he started putting his wallet and his keys in a safe, and that seemed to work. Nowhere does he talk about Tina having her keys stolen and her being quite as messed with, which I think almost didn't help her cooperation and belief in this whole thing. It's not like she didn't believe it. It was just, again, some kind of new thing would happen and he'd be like, Tina, God damn it. Or, you know, I don't think he said that because he's Christian, but, and she, and her response always, that's different. She's just very stoic. Mm-hmm. Tina's almost like she's either like, zero or 60. So that was the thing too, is they would have these disagreements and I think she would either just shut down and go into another room, but there was never any like sitting down and talking about stuff. She's either coming at him like, God damn it, you cheating piece of shit. And then he's just got to kind of sit there and weather it. And then she would shut down and she'd go into another part of the house, which I think if this thing's feeding off of negative energy, it's like you're feeding that tulpa. Or whatever it is. So that's the other thing is he'd get woken up by a super loud sound and then Tina would still be fast asleep. So there's also these really loud sounds that other people wouldn't hear. And then, so he had Don and Steve come out and stay with him for a while. And then these other girls whose names I stupidly, ladies, whose names I stupidly didn't write down, they came out and they stayed with him for weeks. They also were remote monitoring the house at all times. So they were, this other paranormal team was doing shifts where someone is constantly monitoring the house for all these phenomenon sounds and stuff like that. So yeah, that's the Bothell Hell House. This poor guy just completely tormented and messed with and and he did move and it sounds like the things followed him so which kind of made me think of um this lady doris who is the she was the basis of since it's kind of halloween time one of the scariest movies i've ever seen i think from 1976 with barbara hershey called the entity about a ghost that sexually assaulted this woman constantly and same thing she would move the thing would come with her she moved a whole bunch of times and it just followed her (sighs) so it's really terrifying to think of i used to think i wanted to live in a haunted house but after reading this and just really doing a deep dive on this and everything like i nope nope i don't want to live in a haunted house i don't want anything to do with it i hope i never come in contact with it Oh, and then one of the other things I was talking with a client who she's really into like Celtic stuff and pagan stuff. 
and I'm going to say a word and you're going to make a face. But when I was reading and looking at the pictures, the, the word gremlins always came to mind. This thing that is moving stuff, breaking stuff, stealing stuff, jumping around on you. And the size of the things, it's like, oh, they're like little, little bugaboo gremlin things. And so she said the F word, fairies, which it's hard, man. It's hard with, I mean, but, you know, if you think of them as just a word for some sort of critter that you don't want to mess with, it can attach to you, it can follow you places, and there are things that just we can't see, but you sure don't want to piss them off. And the EVPs have Irish accents. Ghost Adventures, again, didn't bother to do any research on the area. They It says they did in the show that, oh, we contacted a shaman, and they said there was never a settlement in the area. But it sounds like he actually, him and Steve and Don actually went to the like County Hall of Records, which I think is like an Everett. And they did find that nearby there was a pretty substantial Duwamish settlement and that also there had been people living in this area and there had been a smallpox outbreak. It is conceivable that something happened somewhere on that land and that there's remnants of it. And then before this subdivision was built, there's like a picture that I found somewhere in my poking around. There was like a, it looks like a bigger kind of maybe 50s style like ranch brick kind of single story larger house and then because this used to be the boonies like it looks like it's on a pretty big plot of land so there was a house there before but he wasn't able to find any info about who lived there before who might have owned that previous house or if something may have happened in it and then uh yeah it sounds like the landlord I think finally did sell the house maybe, but it is interesting. I'd love to know more about the landlord because this whole time it's like, oh, you need the walls patched again. Oh, you got to <laughs> paint over those death threats on the office. Sure. Like I'd be like, do what now? What is going on in my property? Also, while Steve and Don were there, one of the last things he wanted to do is he was like, you know, so appreciative that people are just doing real research and listening to him that he wanted to cook most salmon dinner. And so he gets all the stuff and he gets a bunch of fresh local ingredients and he puts the salmon in the oven, fucking oven blows up. So that has to be replaced. And then we're just like, sure, I'll get you a new oven. Sounds like uh, Jameis is calling it a day. <laughs> and, and, uh, he made the Bothell Hill house. Oh, cool. Nice house. So, yeah, what do you think about that? I think I want to go on a field trip and try to find this place. I mean, the thing is, that's part of the problem, is it doesn't look like anything. It doesn't look spooky. It's a 2001... But that's what makes it more intriguing. That's what makes it more intriguing. He's making a subdivision on your kitchen table. (laughs) Yeah, right? Like, so it is. It's upsetting to think that it, you know, you get this nice new house and... Yeah, I. Now, if I subscribed to this, which I'm not sure if I do, it, it, it would be following him, right? And it, it it could just be something that is is it, him and not necessarily. But then, what about the other people that lived there that it also followed? You know, that's the thing is he's talking to this lady, and I think kind of because he doesn't want to mess with her too much he doesn't include a ton of their conversations in the book at least she was also tormented by this thing and it sounds like once he started talking to her that a lot of the same stuff happened to her mm. so it could just okay so it maybe 
was like 200, 300, 400 years ago that these things were well, there in the area, and then it just sort of ruminated, and or house gets built on top of it, and... Or it's some sort of fairy or brownie that came over with some Irish settlers, because plenty of Irish settlers in the area. Irish people went everywhere. You know, to Irish people, like, you don't mess with this stuff. If someone says, hey, we think there might be fairies or brownies living on this property, you don't build a house there, you know, because it's not going to go well. I don't, I don't know, man. It's just kind of boring being an American. You're just not supposed to really believe in anything, and you're just I supposed know. to blank slate it and move on and from Ice- there. And Icelandic people get to really feel like they live with trolls, <laughs> totally. you know? I mean, yes. that's why I'm into this stuff, because it's, I want to live in a world where, and, and I, and I think, I do think that it doesn't really matter that there are places where the veil is thin, you know, where there are places where these things can kind of come through and... See, for me, I guess I believe I I don't rule out magic at all. Mm-hmm. What I find intriguing is why something would want to move specific objects. That's where I have a hard time believing. Maybe it's maybe but it's it did people. target things that were of value, like the jewelry. You know, yeah. wherever that jewelry came from, how much of a pisser is it to have one earring missing? Which is what Tina found in their bed. But if I was a magical being, why would I even care yeah. about big... Because you're an asshole ghost. <laughs> I mean, that's this thing is a jerk. It is not nice. It's doing everything it can to upset him and make his life unpleasant. You know? Well, yeah. Mm. Mm. Right? Mommy. And I don't, I don't subscribe. I mean, he uses the word demons and I actually, if you guys, you know, if any Tulpas want to watch, uh, that episode of Ghost Adventures, I think it's season 10, episode 10 or something. It's called Demons in Seattle. It's frustrating to watch because I do feel like it really illustrates the flaws in the Ghost Adventures team's methodology. And because I remember thinking, even watching the show before I really got into any of this, because the first thing I did was watch that, and it's like, well, there's oh, an element of you're just going in there for like there. six hours, yeah, and, they, and you're demanding that this thing right. perform for you. That's not how it works. And I, I have to say too, it also bothers me that it's a sausage fest. They don't have any ladies on their team. True. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I'm not since I'm not a fan of the show. Maybe they did at some point. I don't know, but it's. His crispy hair bugs me. I did wish that he would have gotten in touch with Amy and John from Dead Files instead. Because one of the things I liked is that Amy, when they do an investigation, she will tell the people, okay, here's what I think you need to do. And it's always something different. Sometimes she's like, I need you to find a voodoo shaman and here's a referral. Or you need to have a Catholic priest come in. Like She will say, here's how you can deal with this. And I just feel like every time he and Tina reached out, they were just left high and dry or they got told like, oh, that's super far. We won't come out until you have some reliable footage, which is kind of like, well, that's putting the cart for the horse. Like he's asking you to come out because he can and he's telling you that if you come out with all your equipment, that you will probably get some footage. So there's just, 
And then he said half the he's like googling around, and that most of the paranormal teams it was like a sea of broken links and phone numbers that were no longer in service. And so that was my other takeaway too: is again, who you gonna call? It's surprising to me with as many people that are into this stuff that there's not more people out there to contact for help. You know, and if you're a paranormal researcher, it seems like you'd be, and he also expresses this too of like, Hey, you're into this. This is your thing. Aren't you stoked? Don't you want to come out and like investigate this? And if he was a hoaxer, he's got to know, like, so let's say, yeah, he's making all this up and, or it's Tina throwing shit at him all the time. Then why have ghost adventures come out? And then when they come out, you leave. So you're not there to perpetuate your hoax. You'd be more reluctant to... To leave knowing that, oh, I can't fire that Bible behind someone's back if I'm not there. So, I don't know. Again, what is your, even if you, like if it's some weird form of Munchausen, it's like you want attention. It's just, once you see Keith and you hear him talk, you can just tell that that's not who he is. Is like a look at me kind of guy. He is just a very normal, tired guy. So, I mean, I encourage people if you're if you if you want to hear more about this, and there's so much more to hear, Google around. He's on multiple podcasts. Like he's willing to tell his story to anyone who will listen. And I don't think he's making a lot of money on it. But you know, four years, the sheer amount of things, and I'm sure I'll get in my car to go home, and I'll be like, oh crap, I didn't talk about this and that and this thing that happened. But I mean. And just how awful and just to be tired all the time and never feel safe or private in your own home. Because he mentions that too. He's like, oh, great. Tina and I were getting busy and this thing's just lurking, like gross, weird. He's like, I mean, I get it. Like you shudder to think at like all the things that you do in your house and that this thing, this thing that is malicious and hates you is like they're watching you. Like we talked about before, it's not your dead grandpa. It's not your friendly tulpa. It's like this, this thing that wants you to die and then i wonder too it's like we're talking about with the with the um boundaries it's like it seems like there's some sort of rules where it can't it could poke and it could pull hair and it could scratch um and i think at one point there was a knife thrown but there's other cases like uh the black monk of pontrefact where you know something gets thrown at somebody with great force but then they're like oh that didn't really hurt like it seems like it doesn't have the faculties to actually kill someone but then you wonder too about well there's a lot of unsolved deaths out there or things where someone's heart just stopped maybe these things can do a little bit more but and it pushed him down the stairs i i believe that he was pushed because he says he's just he's going down the stairs and the next thing he knew he was on the floor and his knee was just destroyed and by the way shout out to keith he had a job interview and so they were like, oh, well, we can do surgery on it in this day. He's got a fully, like, broken knee, and he dragged his ass to a job interview, and I believe he did get the job. So the amount of push-through that this guy has, like, go Keith. I can't imagine trying to live my life and do all this stuff. It sounds like he hardly missed any work. He, They were still trying to just live their lives with this thing just messing with him constantly. No fun to live in the Bothell Hell House. Can you say... 